Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode here of the Echelon Cycling Podcast. And of course, we're available on all the different platforms if you haven't already checked that out. And as always, I'm joined with our do creator and owner, that is Patrick, and of course, also uh, the Cycling Danes, Mr. Gregor himself, Ewan Wilson. And yes, we have just seen the finish of the Giro Tire final stage. Mark Cavendish winning the final stage. We covered that over on the Cycling Dane Extra. And I mean, yeah, the Giro Italia, what have you guys thought of this? We'll get on to some some of the things we're going to talk about with the Giro. But Roglic winning, first ever Slovenian to win the Giro. And uh, yeah, great accomplishment. I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking about making a video entirely on this. But I, I, I think that the final TT yesterday was super exciting. But like the whole just number but there were so many breakaway victories which kind of made the Giro a bit meh at times because i was really wanting a bit more gc action on mountaintop finishes when you think about it joao almeida's stage win was the only stage where the gc riders won the stage is that right apart from the tt's take the tt's out of it and i'm just like i don't know i was hoping for a bit more from a gc fight um in the mountains i mean you can't kind of you can say oh you know covid and stuff took out gagan and even and stuff that's an entirely fair point to kind of debuckle that but i was kind of hoping for a, a bit more i think there was a bit of it was like a bit of a truce or a standoff between some riders especially on that stage 19 where boy Targo won and i guess i was hoping for a bit more from gc action but you know what there were some fantastic out like kind of breakout performances which i'm sure we'll get on to and overall i think it was a uh above average giro d'italia in my opinion i'll be honest this this Giro was absolute ass until about a week ago. <laughs> it was so sad. A week? I would say until yesterday. Well, uh, no, no. Monte Bondana was interesting with Almeida and Thomas up the road. And then Roglic wobbling. And then there was like tension like, oh, maybe Almeida's the threat. And then you had the stage 18 stage to Valdizoldo. And then there was Roglic was back in form. Wow, who can beat Garen Thomas? Then Trachime happened and... Roglic gained a small gap and the momentum was building and building and building towards Roglic. And of course, Montelassari, I think that's the best stage I've ever seen in a Grand Tour. I think it's better than Planche, but yeah. each to their own. Um, Planche, yeah, Planche was more shocking, but this was this was more... The, the, there were more emotions. In, in Planche, it was like... There was, there was so much like shock factor there. Where this, there was shock factor, but it was like up and down, like... We had like no, we had no time gaps to go from, and the time gaps we had were unreliable. Roglic had that problem, and then we thought, "Oh my god, he's out of it!" And then he pulls, he pulls back in the end and, and wins it all in front of the home crowd. It's amazing. It's a fairy tale. And I mean, yeah, it, it was, it was an interesting Giro. Like in the final week, that final week will be looked on as the only memorable thing in this Giro, which will probably mean that this Giro does go down as a, a, a solid one because it was so close. And we had that amazing stage. Uh, it'll probably be looked back on quite favorably. Like back in the 2020 Tour de France, there were a lot of quite mess stages, but we we think that stage was like memorable as hell, which it was because of the sort of La Planche and how everything changed in the final week of racing. But in terms of Giro's or Giri, it was solid, you know? Um, it's kind of got my appetite wet for, for the Tour de France. But can I can I just use this opportunity to say I told you so? Wait, what in what way? Wait, what? Back on two weeks ago, I, I said, I'm liking the way Roglic is riding this. Yumbo playing it well. Roglic is in a great position. There we go. Nepal's <laughs> got, got the ego. Roglic is playing it well. It's And I said, it's my favorite I've ever seen Roglic ride a Grand Tour. <laughs> Last week, I said, 
Roglic is, is the guy to beat, and Sepp Kuss will decide the race. Yeah, unfortunately. You did say that. I reminded him of this, so apologies, everyone. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> he goes through the roof now. I it's mean, my is, apologies, is... guys. Sorry, sorry. And then and before the race, I mean, we were all pretty much in accordance that any, like it was it was going to be between Remco and Roglic, and anybody else would have, didn't really have a chance. But it was, it was Roglic out of those two, and this just proves that there's another Galactico race win here where the trend continues where a small pool of riders Roglic, Remco, Pogacar, Vingago, Vanard, Van der Poel are winning every high profile race whether it's a monument or a grand tour they seem to be winning it fantastic stage as we said stage 20 I mean let's try and look at it on a different way there was that really sad Gary Thomas interview I mean how do you think it feels like you're you're on to winning potentially the biggest trophy uh well i think it's the nicest trophy in sport but you're so also close probably the biggest in terms of yeah size. yeah actually yeah Ooh, maybe not maybe maybe the Torino Adriatico trident yeah but like my point is you're so close to winning this it looks like you're the man Roglic looks like he's cracking kind of you've beaten him in the two previous time trials and then you lose it Roglic even has a mechanical like how, like, is there any way Garen Thomas could have won this Giro Italia? Uh, we were kind of saying that, like, if Manus Court, Manus Court could have lost Roglic the Giro if it was closer because he took the bonus seconds on the stage before the time trial. So Roglic would have missed out on bonus seconds there. But yeah, is there any way Garen Thomas can look back? He said he's glad it wasn't four seconds, rather 14 seconds, but I mean, still 14 seconds. We had that helmet change. We thought it was weird on stream, you and I. Changing our aero helmet for a normal helmet. I mean, a lightweight helmet. It seemed a bit strange. He lost about, I don't know, 10 seconds doing that. Or eight seconds, if eight, six seconds, if we're being a bit on the lenient side. But yeah, is there anywhere, anywhere you can think that he potentially could have won this? I also don't, I, I really don't think that he could have played it much better, to be honest with you, especially when you consider the unfortunate circumstance that Teo crashed out, which pushed G immediately into the leadership. And actually, Lawrence de Plus and Arendsman were outstanding for Ineos. You know, I know he didn't have as many numbers as, say, Yuma Visma did in some of the finales of stages, but I think, you know, in, what they lacked in, in quantity, they made up for in quality for sure. And I, honestly, I do think that G, G played a very cool game and i think that he did a good job and i think it is just one of those unfortunate things a la 2020 plunge to belfi you know he just he just got beaten by the better man on the day and it's just a very sad thing because i think part of me was kind of i am happy for roglic but i would have kind of liked g to win just because like you're saying ewan about the galacticos kind of riders who kind of monopolize everything it would have been a little bit refreshing i know it's like an ineos rider but still like i think g is quite a popular rider around kind of the cycling sphere and i think that it would have been quite nice for him to win but no i don't really think that he could have gained an advantage anywhere else i think he did quite a good job to be honest with you there would have been a little bit lackluster for him to win the gino without winning a, a stage i always feel like that's always a bit of a downer to be honest but a win's a win it's very through mask, isn't it? Room 2017 is 2017 through. Boring. Legit. 
I mean, it was super tight for a while, but it's like that. There's no outstanding Chris Froome moment in that race because he didn't win a stage. I feel like winning a stage is like your crowning moment. Like Roglic, no. yeah, Roglic got his crowning moment on Montelasari, and it was great. But what would Thomas's crowning moment be? What would we look back on so fondly in that race as being like the peak Thomas performance? I don't know. It would have been popular, yeah, for like British cycling to to win another grand tour with like the one of the older guns it would be it'll be nice to see if he's 37 years of age it would have been a compelling narrative but i feel like like just the rock storyline is it, it was just it was so powerful on the actual stage of montelasari like the way that he sort of bounced back from all this this adversity the uh the crashes last year the tour de france and the Vuelta, everything as well with, with the whole time trial narrative with, with la planche and how to win it on a time trial being so close to Slovenia, it was pretty much a home victory. It was, I, I feel like the narrative was just so perfect. But anyways, now uh, after settling, well, the dust settling at the Giro d'Italia, I mean, we might as well, who has been your breakthrough stars? Let's try and come up with five breakthrough stars of this year's Giro d'Italia. Derek G obviously is one of them. We flagged um... him up. Oh, gosh. Last week. Filippo Zana has a case as well. The Italian Earth. national champion. He was kind of here, there, everywhere, helping his teammates. And then even managed to get his highest Giro d'Italia, fourth attempt. First World Tour yeah. team, as we said. And then taking a stage uh, win as well. I think Nico Dens, considering that he won two stages, he kind of has to be on there. Could you include Ben Healy as a breakout performance? He was kind of breaking out in the Ardennes. So it's kind of like, I wasn't massively surprised when he won i don't know grand tour i guess it counts yeah i guess it, it kind of counts yeah you know, it doesn't count i was gonna say Pino. milan oh ah, but milan was so i feel like the only reason he won that jersey was because my splitters and dropped out it's kind of no, no 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 be real be real head no, no i don't think he would have won it i don't think he would have won it because he's so bad at like the the positioning mass payson would have not beaten milan on on the stage that ackerman won nor the stage that that dineza won in Coola. i'm sorry yeah, mass payson can't, can't beat he milan like that you would have <laughs> done peter scan but uh there were no so more hilly stages by the time mass payson pulled up yeah but are you are you putting him in the top five of well okay 22 first giro Winning the points classification and a stage, yeah. I don't and know a why. number of I'm, second places. I don't know yeah. why, why I'm bad-mouthing him, because I've been talking about him all week, <laughs> so going against my own thing. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he was shocking in the final stage in Rome. Yeah, that was So terrible. I guess maybe recency bias of that. Yeah, and that, that was terrible. performance might overhaul. Yeah. But in, anyone else, climbing-wise? Eddie uh, Dunbar. Yeah, Eddie Dunbar. Eddie Dunbar. Respect to my boy, Munster. Yeah. Really um, where did he finish was it seventh in the end but i mean still seventh yeah i yeah. mean his time trialing is his weakness and it still is and it, he, he shocking time trial on La, on montelasari freudian slip there yeah he's a good climber but just the time trial like just ain't there but dumbbell yeah. was brilliant at monte bondone fam- fantastic there valdi Zoldo was good as well lost time at trecime lavarero but he, he was good he was aggressive as well on the stage into bergamo he was attacking uh, up to Kranz Montana as well. He was attacking there. I think Dumba rode a really solid Gidon, and he can be super happy with this. Progress to be made in the future, definitely working on that time trialing ability. And now that he's ridden a full three weeks, he can know where to save energy and know where to sort of um, where to pounce once we come back to another Grand Tour later on in his career. 
it'll be interesting to see where he goes next. I mean, we can't even we can't include Joel on that white jersey finally and winning the podium, but not really breakthrough. Um, Lawrence de Plus, Arnsman, both of getting inside the top ten. I thought that was quite an impressive achievement, and it hasn't really been talked about. Three Ineos Grand Days. I think we're the only ones really talking about it. Ineos Grand Days, three riders in the top ten. You don't often see that. No. Um, I'll also go include Lechnerson in there. I think he really kind of punched above his weight. There was no way out. If you would have said Lightnessons finishing top 10 in GC, I would have been like, no way. I was like, maybe like top 15. But honestly, I was so sh- surprised by the performance of Lightnesson. I think that that was a really good performance as well. I know we were saying five, but we're kind of we're raking them in now. Yeah, totally agree on the Lightnesson front. And he was so close to moving up in GC as well for Dunbar. It would have been a great pink jersey a top 10 in the end really good stuff and he's been promising so much for so long so it's good to see him finally live up to this potential before he maybe leaves next year to uno x watch all about that over on the cycling day main channel elsewhere marco frigo i don't think he's a top five but a top 10 breakout rider definitely well and whoever's listening and watching make sure to comment down below which one you think as well or if you disagree with us as well but i'm pretty sure that most people won't Disagree with that, but Primoz Roglic, amazing win, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, the natural thing here, of course, Primoz Roglic, three-time Welter Espana champion, now Giro Tire champion, second place on the Tour de France in 2020. Is he going to be the rider that completes the set? Can he ever win a Tour de France? Discuss. No, I'm I'm going with no. End end of segment. <laughs> but I <I'd, laughs> I'll, I'll I'll give my reasoning. There's something about Roglic and Matore that just I don't know. It just hasn't worked. Which see, it's got it. That's such naff reasoning. But you have to consider here that he beat Garrett Thomas here by what? 14 seconds. How many seconds did Jonas and Pagacha put into G at the tour last year? Five minutes. Yeah. So basically, you're basically saying. That Roglic is just was just above G here. How big is that leap to get to Jonas and Pogacar? That's just that's unassailable in my eyes. If, like this is Roglic, who let's face it, by Roglic's terms, a fairly uneventful well, like crash in terms of crashes and stuff and incidents was fairly good. You know, Roglic usually has some more serious crashes. I know he did have some, but I think this is a relatively unscathed race or. Primoz and I just I don't think that he can take it to Pagatra or Jonas because if he's only just beating Garrett Thomas, God help him. <laughs> to be honest, that that is that's my reasoning. I just I don't see it. He's cursed of a tour. You in with your Slovenia flag in the background, what do you think? Yes or no? No, I don't think he will. Well, um, I'm not I'm not like I'm think yes, but uh yeah. No, well I mean similarly I just seen Pogatra being a go at a point that's too unassailable, particularly when Vingago and Rockledge are riding for the same team. When's he going to get the chance to shine? Maybe if Vingago has a crash one year or can't make the tour, maybe. But Rockledge is 33. I know we're talking about Garen Thomas here, who's 37 now and still competing for a grand tour. But Rockledge is 33, Vingago's 25, 26. That's quite a bit younger. I'm no mathematician, but I would say Vingago's got more years where he's a tip top performance. 3-4, where this probably going to get his best tour performances are going to come in the next five years. Roglic, his best tour performances have probably come 
his 2020 Tour de France performance was was great. I would say it was it was good. He won a stage at Ossia Malet and he looked pretty comfortable in, in the yellow jersey fight there in what was a very, very highly competitive Tour de France. The stars aligned for him in 2020. And I don't think the stars will align for him again. Yeah, it is that kind of Jonas Vingo younger, Tarbagacha younger, both of them another level really. But it looks like that 2020 Tour de France was it was closest. the year. Yeah, it was. It, was. it really was. Everything everything was there. That was an incredible Yemba Visma squad. They were backed up where we had uh, the, the incredible Tour de Lan performance, the incredible Dauphiné performance in 2020. They had so much momentum. I don't think I've ever seen a team with that much momentum that looked as strong as Yum- as post-COVID Yumbo Visma did coming out of that, that lockdown period. They were exceptional. Undoubtedly the, the best team in that race. No argument there. Yes, maybe they made a few few blunders, but their manpower, excellent. Roglic would say he won the stage in RCMLet, got the yellow jersey, was up there controlling things. He didn't crash in that Tour de France. That's crazy for Roglic. Even in this Giro, he crashed twice. Everything happened apart from La Planche. That's it. And you know what? The stars aligned then, and I really, really, really don't think it's going to happen again. Even look at the timing of, of, of that year's Tour de France. It's in the Buelted slot. It's in late August th- through September. That's prime Broglich slot. 2019, 2021, even 2022 Belters. He was great at that time of year because that's when Roglic peaks. His body naturally is good at that time of year. Every Everything it was meant to be. But it's just not going to come again. Maybe maybe in like three years time. Jonas has a, has a crash in Dauphiné. Oh, he cracks. He cracks his collarbone. He's out of the Tour de France. Roglic is waiting in the wings. He's got great momentum from just smashing the field at Tour de Suisse. And he's now ready to take on the, the Tour de France with this amazing A-list team of Wilco Kelderman, Stefan Kreisweig, Robert Haysink, Johannes Stanemitet. And the, the, they're ready to absolutely destroy the, the, the Tour de France. Maybe the stars will align then if Pogacar or one of these other guys also misses out. But I just think these these kids coming through, Pogacar, Vingo, even if Almeida in two years' time, w- with the maturity and progress he's making, he could be up there as well for UAE, bolstering out a podium position. Kian Eudbrooks, who are the guys at Ineos Grenadiers? There's plenty of people there. Like, there's just so many options yeah. on the table. I just don't think it's going to happen for Roglic. I really don't. And a user. It's just another one to throw into the fray. It's looking very futile. Although I'd love Roglic to do it and to get this, like, yeah. triple... Because we haven't seen this since, I mean, Nibali, Contador, Frumont all get all got it, and they were like the, the old 2010s guard. No one in the 2020s has dared to try it. But now, yeah, but he was just so underwhelming in the Vuelta. Pogacar's only one to Tours de France. Vingo's probably only going to win Tours de France for the next three years. Roglic is the only candidate we really have right now to do so. That's actually a really good point, because you you do forget that. The, the feat of having all three of the Grand Tours and Pigatra and Vingegaard being the names that they are, they will get sent to the Tour because that is the biggest exposure event that our sport has to offer. So therefore, why wouldn't they get sent there? Why would they say, ah, you know what, this year? Wild idea. Giro Vuelta. Let's just do that instead. It's kind of like... I don't know. But uh, what do you reckon? Roglic goes to the Vuelta this year? And so breaks that... the record now? I think he'll break the record if he wins a four. I, I could see that happening. Without Remco, because Remco's not going apparently. Why? Why not? Uh, because Pat. Because Patrick Lefevre says, "Oh, sorry. Hold, hold your metaphorical horses. If anybody's going to do it, I I would say Pogacar. 
because I think Vingo Yumbo, we know rigid, 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 rigid. I know some of you guys in the comment section will be tippity tappity typing about how how much you hate these when I say that that they're rigid. But they are. You know, the, the one time they win a Giro is when everything was super fluid and not rigid. Crazy. But yeah, in terms of Vingo, he'll be there for the Tour de France. That team is always, always targeting the, the Tour de France. UAE, I feel like they have, once Ayuso was right up there in Almeida, they might send him to the Tour de France one year. Almeida said in the interview, oh, I might be back in Italy next year. I might not. Who knows? He might be going to the Tour de France next year whilst Pogaccio does other things. The, Tour de, the Giro Italia might be starting in Slovenia over the next two years. That's the rumor on the streets. That's that the Grand Partenza could be in Slovenia very soon. That would tempt Pogacar to come. Slovenia and Italy very close, very closely tied culturally and historically. Uh, also, the team he rides for UAE is an Italian team. Yes, they have the UAE name, but it's an Italian team at its core. It makes a lot of sense for him to go to the Giro. Well, Jonas, it doesn't really. And then all Pogacar has to do is win the Vuelta. And to be honest, he could do that this year. But nevertheless, Remco Venerpol, as we know, the world champion... Where are the Mayorosa winning two stages at the Giro Italia, but got COVID. And now we had a video here on the channel, special one. Would he go to the Tour de France? But yeah, guys, it seems like we don't know what he's doing at all now. I mean, yeah, because Lefebvre pretty swiftly put to bed the thoughts that Remco's going to be going to the Tour. He was like, nah, it's not happening. So everybody quickly was deflated by that uh, immediate, just pop that bubble. Out of the sky, the favorite did. Uh, but yeah, like you're saying, I mean, if he's not going to the Vuelta, then what's he gonna do? Like properly go hard for worlds? I I don't get it. What are you gonna say? Well, Patrick Lefevre said that why would we send Remco to the Vuelta if he's already won it? I don't understand the logic here. He's already won it. We want to target new things. So why send him to Liège? No, it doesn't make sense. Why go to worlds? Why go anywhere? He's won a lot of races. That he's going to tour of Britain. What? Why? He hasn't. I won. mean, as as people, as as free people who are Anglophone, we can all admit that the tour of Britain is not entirely on the highest caliber of racing. Whoa, 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 whoa! Tour de Yorkshire was an amazing race. Well, no, no, oh, that's a different please, thing. Please, that's, please. that's Tour de Yorkshire, Great not Tour of Britain. Tour yeah, of Britain. I know, I know, Tour of I know. Britain. Tour of Britain, yeah. Tour of Yorkshire, Tour of Britain. Let's go to oh, London for a time trial. They haven't done that since 2014, please. Why Why does he want to go to Tour of Britain? Tour of Britain historian moment. I mean, it doesn't really make sense. He could probably win it. This is a throwback to old school Remco when he used to go to like the Balwaza Tour of Belgium, the Tour of Denmark. These like second to stroke third tier races. Whoa, 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 Pogacar, Van Aert, all those guys, they were all in Canada this year. They weren't, they weren't at the Tour of Britain racing against Tom Pitcock and 
Sam from down the road from Scarborough. And, like, and, no, it's just and, not. Gonzalo like, Serrano. <laughs> my man's surname is Ham. Like, be real. Like, <laughs> it's And in 2019, it ha- had a good start list because because the World Championships were happening in the United Kingdom. And it made sense because the route there was very similar to all these like pretty mid-ass Tour of Britain stages. The kind of ones that Remco would attack with 50 kilometers, gain two minutes because the person chasing him is riding for some continental team named after some rich, rich car owner who owns a Porsche dealership in, in Yorkshire. Like, come on. Like, it's just... It's just, just, it's just, it's just, it's just a nonsense debate. There is an ass race, and Nigga Avedipool should not be touching it. This man is, is going to be a former world champion. He should have a restraining order on that race. Imagine if he goes, Remka Avedipool will have to set foot in Harlow and Essex. I feel sorry for him. Yeah, um, I'm not going to. Well, uh, to any new listeners, I'm just going to point this out. Yoon's actually from the UK. He might not like the UK, but he is, unfortunately. He's still waiting for France to give him their a passport from them. But never mind. Focusing on Remco, world champion, not showing off the jersey. It's a shame. We know that I want him to go to the tour to show off the jersey. We've had the debate over on the other video on that. But it just seems like it's fizzling out, this world championship now. Yeah, it does kind of seem that way. I don't know. Like, could Remco just do some kind of new thing where he just goes to like like the Italian calendar the autumn kind of classics and stuff that's always kind of like a nice little footnote but I don't want to be like disrespectful towards like Il Lombardia and stuff but if he wins Il Lombardia I'm just a bit like cool so like if if he wins like Tlivali Valesine Gran Piemonte Milano Milano Torino if it's an uphill finish this year and then Il Lombardia and just like sweeps it kind of Dami Vollering style from the Ardennes and maybe that's kind of cool but it just feels like what's what is this he's just doing has he got a tick list out and he's just ticking off all the races that he's wanted to go to yeah, because like you were saying like oh he's already world champion why would you bother going to world championships again you've already done it once that's just a waste of energy. Is this just 2021 all over again? Where it's just like a write-off of a season, we have to wait for prime Remco again? Does Remco only appear in years of even numbers? Is this is this now a thing? Next year's Tour de France will begin in Italy. Probably a route that could suit Remco. A final day time trial at the Promenade des Anglais. It could suit him. All this Remco chit-chat is it, it's it's simply exhausting. Like we go through so many like it's like mental gymnastics with like Patrick Lefevre and all these comments that he gives, and Remco's changing schedule all the time, and all this like hype and, and like expectation. Remco's Remco's almost Remco is now older than Pogacar was when he won his first Tour de France. He's not a kid anymore. He's getting closer and closer to the age of twenty-five. And he's letting all these like races and so forth slip him by because Lefebvre and himself, he's holding himself back as if he's going to sort of win them one day without any competition. It's the year 2023 and we haven't seen Remco really clash against Pogacar. Yeah, I mean, we were supposed to at Liège, but we haven't seen that. Remco is going to be 23 this summer. Well, he's 23 right now. Still hasn't raced the Tour de France. Next year will be 24. Still hasn't raced Tour de France. We're running out of time, really. He is 23 years of age. He's only finished one Grand Tour. You're just getting kind of like teased along by Lefebvre, like a duck being taunted with a loaf of white bread. Just kind of being... White bread. Just being taunted by Lefebvre. Just like, oh, you know, Remco will go to the Tour eventually. But, oh, it's not this year. Oh, it's not next year. But yeah, you're right. Like, when, when is it going to go? It's like, by the point when Remco actually goes, 
Lefebvre's going to be like, he's going! And everyone's going to be like, we don't care, because you've put it off for so long that it's lost its edge, and we don't actually really think it's that special now. It's like, we would, we wanted this two years ago. If he went this year, I don't really think he'd do much. I feel like it does make sense that he probably goes what? next world year. World champion! World champion! He's not going to be world champion next year, probably. Well... Depends. I mean, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go on to that. Depends if you can get a hotel room. <laughs> yeah, okay. And a visa. Yeah. yeah, here we go. We might as well start with it. Let's um, go on this. The, the World Championships is, of course, in Glasgow. Many people, including myself, is quite annoyed that they moved it and from the original spot. But maybe that's because they don't want, uh, well, a Yorkshire scenario with a lot of rain. But equally, they're also doing this unique thing where they're putting everything all the events into the same week or something and i mean yeah you and you talked about it open the stream on the second day channel it looks like it's going to be a bit of a, a headache well yes yeah, so you mentioned it's the super worlds as they've been titled in the middle of august in scotland not just glasgow all around scotland as well with the mountain biking taking place in the highlands some of the road racing taking place around sort of the edinburgh sterling area as well so yeah the super worlds as they've been called but this has put stress on cycling federations all across the globe. Because everybody who's going to these super worlds needs hotel rooms, there is a limited amount of hotel rooms in Glasgow for not only the federations and the riders themselves, their team staff, all the journalists who are going to come here, all the fans as well, the volunteers who are coming to Glasgow to work on this and so forth. There's an awful lot of people who are involved and have an interest in them moving into Glasgow for this event. This has meant the hotel rooms are incredibly hard to get or they are incredibly expensive. Particularly if you're looking up towards Fort William, like around there where the mountain biking is, it's so expensive normally. And now it's just, it's it's astronomical. They're saying that it's, well, a report by, uh, by Chris Marshall Bell, who's uh, now on the Radio Cycling Podcast, is saying that... The hotel rooms are looking towards £300 per night. That's roughly €350, Euro, 350 bucks per night for a room uh, at, at a hotel. On top of this, um, for a lot of international people, either from, I believe, from outside the European Union, some even from inside the European Union, will now have to go through administrative barriers as well, given the implications of <coughs> Brexit. Um well, you now have to pay for a visa, visa waiver, whatever it is, the paperwork. I'm a little bit unsure about it. But there are federations coming forward and saying that it's costing roughly £100 per person. Once again, it's about 125 ish euros, dollars uh, per rider. Add on the staff members, add on these people who are also coming to this event. This is becoming incredibly, incredibly expensive. And in response, a number of federations are stripping back their approach to the Glasgow World Championships one of whom spoke to Chris Marshall Bell of uh, Radio Cycling Podcast. It was Jan Kirsipu, former professional rider who's uh, Estonia's head coach. He stated that they're only bringing under 23 and junior riders to the World Championships this year because it's so expensive to get the hotels, to get the visa costs, and to fly out all the equipment. Remember, because it's in the United Kingdom, also quite far north in the United Kingdom, you have to transport everything by plane. Getting it by car from somewhere like Estonia is just going to be way too difficult, which also adds on costs, especially if you're connecting out of London because Glasgow Airport, I've flown out of it maybe 100 times. The connections are really bad. It's like there's a very limited scope of places you, you can fly to. So you're most likely connecting out of London. So it's going to be extra costs as well from getting to London, then transporting everything further north. So 
the costs of, of these world championships, the, the super worlds as, as they've been titled, is really detracting a number of federations. And this is also discriminating against um, federations which don't have as much money. So we're looking at African uh, Cycling Africa also has spoken about this on, on that podcast where uh, African nations are being sort of prohibited from competing in this event. That's a huge loss. The World Championships are going to be in Rwanda in a couple years' time. Binyam Gramai sort of fell onto other people's radars because of his World Championships performance in Love and back in 2021. Missing out on these African teams and these riders from smaller federations, it's a huge loss, especially when we're trying so hard to diversify and to expand uh, the nation portfolio of our sport. So this all in all means that the Super Worlds could be tarnished once again by the question of the moolah, the money. I mean, I've got an Airbnb, which is two spare beds. Going. You're going to share it, share it with so Estonian riders. Maddie's, Mikkel's, whatever, you know, hit me up. I've got two, got two beds going spare. I've got a caravan as well. I've, I've just turned this into a, a like, yeah, Facebook there you marketplace go. now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got a caravan. It's, it's, it's a four bed. There you go. Easy. That's four people. Take about to Fort William or first for mountain biking. But yeah, anyway, back to the point at hand. This isn't great because, like you say, part of the whole beauty of World Championships, like especially with Binny, was that you get these breakout performances from smaller nations. Um, it's, and as like Maddie's Mikels did really well at, at the Under 23 Worlds last year. So it's a shame to really deny access to good, talented riders just because of administrative costs basically right that doesn't really seem particularly fair could well i mean all the big nations your belgians france italy spain etc etc other people who have who will bring like a full roster of riders and you know they probably although it'll be a bit of a headache for them to organize it they'll still be able to do it you know is it just going to lead to a, a world championships which is even more heavily dominated by these teams because they actually have the funds to to field all of the riders and all of the swan years and etc etc you know because that does make a difference in a, in a rider's preparation if you can't bring your chef or your team doctor or your what x y and z you know there's a lot of kind of support roles essentially it's like it's like trying to go to a music concert without audio technicians or something like that it's it's a bit you're missing part of a band basically going into it so it's not that's not ideal because i didn't i didn't know about this so hopefully i don't know can the uci supplement i mean this the, there's there's been a number of reports coming out this week about the uci david lapartian and a number of sort of questionable decisions financial and administrative that have been made in the uci over the past sort of year or two I don't think that they're sending out any any support. I believe actually the federations are annoyed that the UCI is not responding to their sort of quarrels about the, the, these problems with getting hotels, sourcing out all, the, all these visas and and uh, administrative and legal sort of processes. I remember back in the 2014 Gino. We had the Colombian team who struggled to get uh, paperwork to, to race when the race was in the United Kingdom back then. They almost got denied their place at the Giro with like a week to go because they didn't have the right paperwork. It, it would be a shame if people can't come in because of sort of passport problems or visa problems and so forth. It's, I mean, it's, it, it is just a huge problem. Also, there is another aspect to this that I want to talk about with the Super Worlds and it's, 
the fact that everything's happening in one go. So you have riders out there like Mathieu van der Poel, a Tom Pitcock, who might want to do the mountain biking in the Highlands one day, and then they have to compete in the road race or the time trial. It's all happening at the same time in the same month. It's going to be really hard for them. I believe Pippo Ganna could be competing on the Friday on the track and then on the Sunday on the road. It's huge. One day he's he's going to be in the in, in the velodrome in Glasgow. Then the next day he's, he's racing up to, to Stirling Castle. Well, two days later racing up to Stirling Castle in the TT. It's just so hard for these riders who want to do multiple disciplines at the Worlds. I think it's really going to disadvantage them. On top of, I mean, all all this like my money talk talk that we have here, like the, the riders who want to do hear that and everything. It's just going to be tough. And maybe for these riders from smaller nations, that's a way for them to save money if they want to enter the World Championships. Someone from a smaller nation may have to sort of jump in, do the track, and then one minute do the road race. Like it's just it's it's tough. I don't think it's gonna be a I don't think it's gonna be a success story world championships. They're experimenting, yes, but I think this experiment is going to grossly backfire. A lot of the riders were annoyed anyway because their whole schedule has been torn apart for one year. Uh, where no discipline is happy because all the disciplines are now in the middle of August when the road race world championships used to be in September, the track ones used to be in April. Like They've all moved around. And for what? Just just so you can have this big event in, in, in Scotland for everyone to sort of... Ah, ah. Like, what was wrong with the format beforehand? Yeah, on the ground, it's probably going to be great. It's going to feel like the Olympic Games. But for all these athletes... And just the, the longevity of this idea, I think it's going to flop. It's definitely built f- for the spectators, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I mean, completely agree. Like with everything you just said, it is such a bad idea. For the spectators, it, it, it will be fantastic. Like it, you've got all the sport happening in one go. I was in Glasgow for the 2014 Commonwealth Games and the 2018 European Games, which included the European Cycling Championships, road and track. And the atmosphere there was great. The fact that you could sort of see all these events and do all these activities was incredible. And Glasgow really rises to the occasion. No doubt about it, it'll be a great host city. As a fan, it'll be bliss. But I think behind the scenes for everybody else, for the actual sort of structure of this event, it's a mess. Yeah, I think we we all kind of agree on this. Uh, But yeah, Glasgow should be a blast. And uh, Patrick's going to be there as well. So we're probably going to get something with Patrick uh, there. I can't wait. But uh, I I mean, there was other racing going on here as well um, and this week, not just the Giro Tire. There's a race that Ewan's going to talk about, a French one. Tour of Norway has happened as well. And uh, yeah, Thibaut Ness, uh, the son of Sven Ness, took a stage win. And uh, yeah, is he the star of the future now? Well, he's been for quite a while. He's definitely a one-day racer, I think, of the future. Like a real cobble star, like Ardennes as well. I think that he's going to be a real a real talent in the future. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. If he's doing things at the Tour of, of Norway like this, he's you know he's looking so strong, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do. Hopefully he'll just go from strength to strength. This year seems a bit of a, you know, settling in period and then next year we'll wait and see what kind of happens because i think he'll fit really nicely into trek's kind of setup they do you know they're really good at letting people have their own opportunities and stuff so very excited about tebow nice um yeah he's promised a lot in under 23 ranks so good to see that he's actually converting it into elite stuff because sometimes riders struggle to make that jump uh so good to see that he's doing that yeah absolutely
Okay, you doesn't want to talk about the Tour of wait, Norway. Wait, were you looking for me to add? Yeah, um, Tour of Norway, Ewan. It's um, a quite young field that have been kind of dominating stages from Ben Tollett, Manuel Sheffield, and then Ness, as we just touched on. Yeah, the, the first the first stage was a pretty cool uh, profile. I'll give you that. Um, a, a short prologue with a kicker at the end. The Floyan Hill that was used back in um, 2008. 17 of the world championships great tt as well by atala valter as well um right up there in the standings but yeah i mean a, a lot of really strong riders who uh a lot of strong young riders who are sort of right up there in the mix bentola magna sheffield matthias vatsek tibo nays and the johannesens i'm starting to think that they're aging out of that young prodigy role very soon but um yeah i mean it was also good to see Mike Turnison win a stage. I know this is a really rogue choice, but what, seeing Mike Turnison win a stage was just so heartwarming because, um, I mean, he was great in 2019, 2018, great rider. Um, and I think he just sort of lost his sense of belonging at Jumbo Visma. Like, what was he doing at Jumbo Visma for the past, like, what, since COVID? 2020 through 2022 season. I mean, he was nowhere. Like his 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 position in that team was just like gone completely, whilst the the team shuffled around him. So he moved across Santa Marche, and it's clicking with him there. They got a stage win there, and he'll be working for Binium Grimai later this year. So it's good to see for him. And I mean, Thibaut Nace today on the stage up to Stavanger was just incredible, incredible, absolutely destroyed the field. And he's what twenty years of age now, like what he's going to do in the future on the road and in cyclocross is going to be uh it's going to be biblical i mean this uh, yeah i'm just I, I i do like the races where there's a lot of youngsters right it's good to see ben tullet as well kind of getting his own chance because i feel like he's always in a domestique role like sheffield we've kind of seen and there's been a lot of there's been a lot of a rise of the sort of I know it was a prologue, but there's was like what was it, it was like three k up like this hill and stuff. Um, it's like average like eight percent. There seems to be a bit of a rise of organizers wanting to have time trials which have a a hill in there. I think it provides a bit more of a spectacle. It seems to definitely be a bit more of a popular thing to have rather than just a a flat prologue, which is just a little bit dull. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish the art of the prologue was axed. I mean, snooze. But, I mean, Magnus Sheffield, he's he's right up there in, in the GC right now. It'd be cool to see him win. Magnus, uh, his mother is Norwegian. Um, he speaks Norwegian as well, does Magnus. So um, it'd be cool to see him get the win there. I know he's super motivated to win this. Anyways, there was a few other races as well. The tour of to uh, Tokyo happened. A blast from the past. From the past, Nathan Earl took that win. A former Sky rider back in the day. Luke Lamperty dominating sprints as well. He's probably going to be World Tour next year. Who knows? But yeah, any other races to flag um, up? Apologies, that was the Tour of Japan, not oh, just what, Tokyo. What Tokyo's probably big uh, enough. Sorry, to have yeah, Tour of Japan. Yeah, what am I talking about? Tour of Japan. Of the Speaking of the Tour of Japan. Crazy stage there. Yeah, an eleven the... kilometer long road stage up Mount Fuji. <laughs> eleven kilometer long road stage. Yes, not not a time trial. It was um, as the Italians would say, casino. As the French would say, complément bordel. It was just yeah, 
absolute chaos up that <laughs> up that mountain. But Nathan, oh yeah, blast from the past. Uh, the man from Tasmania. Also looking towards other races as well. Um, let's begin with the Alpazetor. Good one for the kids. Um, this has historically been a popular race among uh, youth sensations who usually throw their name into the ring and, and get something big out of that race. Uh, this year it was a. Uh, this year it was all about uh, Leonard von Eitfeld, who actually wrote a really strong um, couple of stages earlier this year in Mallorca. He burst out in the scene here, winning two stages and the overall classification, uh, with some difficult alpine days as well, which proves just how uh, just how strong he is. So, uh, if you want to look for youth sensations, then go on the go on the, the results page of the Albazertor. Elsewhere, the Boucle de la Mayenne also happened. Um, this is the home race of Group Armor Francais de Jeux. They're based in Laval. That's actually where Marc Madio is from. Uh, it's also where Laurent Jalabert is from and where Tadej Pogacar won the time trial of the 2021 Tour de France. And it all began with a time trial. And Ivo Oliveira took his first ever professional victory, I believe, there. The day after, Oya Lazcano took the overall lead with a breakaway. He's making a name for himself as Oya Lazcano. Remember, he was on the podium back at Duarte Vlandre, a bit of a cold figure now in the sport. Arnaud Demar took the took the second stage, Asterix, with the prologue, um, which is good news for Groupama because they desperately want to get success out of this race. The team is literally, like, this is one of their biggest goals of the year. And the final stage, back to Laval, was won by Arvid de Klein, who's having a great season. He won Milano-Torino early this year, so... Alfred De Klein and Tudor Pro Cycling proving once again that they are a pretty strong force. In the overall classification, Ayalas Cano took the overall standings with Arno Demar in second and Alex Zingler in third. Good ride from Zingler, once again. Another, a guy who is uh, slowly getting better results. Yeah. It's also great. Like, Las Cano, I didn't really, he's 23. I did. I, I thought he was older like could you not five years older or something that's it's incredible it's insane he's 23 and also like uh van eightvelt he's going to the tour de suisse provisionally that's quite cool looking forward to seeing what he's going to be doing there especially when you consider there's so many big names going and he's been quite consistent in just like gc performances against some of the big dogs as well so yeah and axel um zongler he's going to the tour I think so. Looking forward to seeing what he can do. There's just a lot of kind of like hype building around all these riders getting good results, and it's coming towards some a very big monumental part of the season where they'll they'll go to a Dauphiné, a Tour de Suisse, and maybe some of them will go to the Tour as well. And it's all just very bashing around my head, trying to keep tabs as to who the next big prodigies are. It's it's exhausting, but it's a fun kind of exhaustion to go through. Yeah, I mean. Um... Just keeping track of people going to the Tour de France is difficult enough. Youth sensations will break out of the Tour de France. I mean, we'll wait and see. Uh, but Fernet felt slowly uh, just chipping away, chipping away. And for a lot of destiny, it'll be a fight to make it onto these uh, top-level start lists this year, given that they've lost their status of World Tour. Now it's all hands on deck for certain races of the year, so it, it'll be tough for them. And for Fernet felt to really stand out. I don't know, I don't know how long he's contracted for, but um, is he in it for the long run with them? <laughs> Let's find out. Where the fuck's his name? 
Leonard. Oi. His contract until 2024. Oh, mad. <laughs> do, do you know what Matt's just going to be in time for? To join Remco's effort to win the Tour de France? Guaranteed. He's he's Alain Van Wilder. Again. The, the <laughs> he's just new another Alain Van Wilder. <laughs> he's the new Alain Van Wilder. He's, he's the Belgian Lutsenko. He is. Just yes, sir. <laughs> Leonard Van Aethel, he is. He's the Belgian Lutsenko. He yeah, can do everything. To be fair, he's from like not far away from the Wallonian border. So that's parallels to Remco Avenapol and Keen Eudebrooks. There you go. That's that's where they're farming these um these general classification Belgians. <laughs> it's like the the Brussels to Wallonia periphery. That's where the that's where they're like finding them. Yeah. But I mean, was he on the Akrok team as well? Van Eidfeldt? No, sure. he wasn't. No. I just no. remember I remember him being absolutely cracked in the under twenty threes. Like last year, I think it was. Or was it last year? I've been year before that, like twenty twenty one, where he was just like, yeah, like fifth Liège Basel Liège under twenty three, fifth under twenty three European road race, ninth in the TT, third in the under twenty three Belgian road race. It's like he's just insane. <laughs> yeah, um, Oscar only as well from DSM finished in second place overall in that race. So pretty solid for a rider from Scotland and from the DSM squad. He's racing with the seniors as well. Um, he's in a very long contract, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can bring later this year as well. I don't suspect he'll be on the Tour de France start list. But one guy I'm, I, I'm finding really interesting is the person who finished fourth at Alpes Air Tour. I know I give this race too much airtime. Um, a guy called Martin Schutter. Um, from Norway, who rides for the Bourg-en-Bresse local squad. Why? Bourg-en-Bresse is known for one thing in France. It's poultry. Uh, it has some of the most expensive chicken you can buy in the world. Uh, but for, for some reason, th this Norwegian rider has upped sticks to um, that part of the world and rides... Well, Auvergne? No, it's not Auvergne. Yeah. Fuck, I don't know. Um, he's he's up sticks to that part of the world and now races for a club squad, but he finished in fourth place at the Alpazet Tour. Maybe he's someone that Uno X will sweep up next year. Probably. But uh anyway, uh Alpazet Tour again that race. Yeah, Rider of the Week. Patrick is suggesting that we're gonna do instead of Rider of the Week, we're gonna do our Rider of the Giro. So the full three weeks. Who do you think is the Rider of the Week? And yeah, don't just say Primoz Roglic. That's too easy. Well, we're doing a rider of the week and then a rider of the Giro. No, rider, rider of the Giro. Giro. Rider of the Giro. So it's... Oh, tricky. Yeah. I feel like oh, there are some names. I mean, I kind of want to say like a like an understated sort of a Rensman, the Plus, Lechnison or something like that. But I feel like I'm going to go a little bit wild. I don't know. I'm going. Oh, I can't. It's going to be my second Frenchman. I'm actually going to pick Thibaut Pino as my rider of the Giro because I, because you know, I I really wasn't expecting too much from Thibaut Pino this this Giro. And I remember I said, I think one of them last week. I was like, "What is he doing? 
Why is he not losing time going for KOM? He's not going to get KOM if he keeps hanging around the GC battle. But actually, he's proven me wrong. He's done both. He won the Maya and he also finished, what was it, fifth? Fifth in GC. And I'm like, you know what? For a retiring this year rider, that's pretty impressive for me. So, Ale Thibault, c'est bien. And uh, hopefully he he's very appreciative of this. I've, and and he gave us a bit of a, a Twitter war meme as well. So that that was good. That was good crack as well. Kept us entertained. Yeah, I feel like in general he was like the entertainer. Lenny Metal. He was just fantastic. Like all the all the spice he gave us. Damn, it was like. Let me think of a crazy metaphor. It was like a jambalaya. That one goes out to our Cajun listeners out there from the south of the US. You had like all the spice, you had some meat, you had the carbohydrates with the rice. Damn, it was so good. Like he gave us everything we wanted. Stage fights, a GC battle, the Maliazura. He got emotional. And then right at the end on Twitter, he says, J'ai peur du vide. I'm scared of the emptiness. Oh, it's just, it's just tip top Pino. Like he's, he's just amazing. Um, but my writer of the week, can I give an honorable shout out? Well, it's not writer of the week, it's writer of the Giro. Can I give a shout out to my honorable writer of the Giro? Is it Derek G? It's Velikos Stoinich. Um, this, this man has pulled through and he's gone to, he's broken boundaries in Serbian cycling that we have not seen broken in a long time. So for that, I'm happy for him. He's not a Serbian industry plant. Read into that what you will, Fran Mihailovic. He's Croatian. They're not the same. Um, nevertheless, my ride of the Giro is... I, I was also going to pick Pino, so it's this one's... This one's I was also going to pick Pino. Patrick so um, really screwed it all. Do I go boring? Damiana Caruso, rogue I know, but he finished in fourth place without making any fuss. Like, that's just, that's so honorable, and no one has spoken about Damiana Caruso. He finished fourth at this Giro, and I feel like I probably said maybe three sentences about him after three weeks of covering this race. And I feel like it's about time we, we, we like, highlight how solid and consistent of a ride it was from, from Caruso. While well, some people around him like cracked and some people rose, Caruso was just there, solid the whole way through. His teammates leaps and bounds. He, Jack Haig overrated, but actually no, no, he's he's quite online. Jack Haig just missed the mark here. Great rider in, in terms of GC in the past, but just missed the mark today. Um, at, at, wow. at this Giro, drop back, but. Um, I mean, Bitrago as well before a stage win was looking weak, so Caruso was on his own for a lot of it. So I gotta say, Damiana Caruso, forgetting that fourth place without anybody mentioning it or talking about it, he's 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 the Sicilian Jaime Zubeldia. Well, I mean, no one said Derek G, I'm not gonna say it either. Sorry, Derek, it, like impressive that he's up there in the points the mountains classification he was really getting the israel name out even though matthew riccatello almost 
a bet that Ewan made with himself almost got Ewan to shave his or his head well, hair off because he said if he finished inside the top 10, he would shave his uh, hair off. Ewan was very nervous, 10th, but uh, he finished 11th, so one place away from uh, Ewan having to shave his hair off. That would have been quite funny. But nevertheless, uh, in terms of riders, I think there's quite a few. Filippo Zana as well, Italian champion, taking stage win, working for his teammates up there in GC, some uh, top 20. But I'm going to pick the rider, the rider that won the Giro d'Italia this year. Seb Kuss is my rider yeah. of the of the Giro d'Italia. Chapeau, Seb Kuss. He won. He was the difference between Garen Thomas and Roglic over that three weeks. You are kind of right. Yeah, I'm surprised that, that one slipped through. That's why I was annoyed when I realized who you were going to pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is um, true though. Yeah, Kuss. Kuss was great, even in that final TT. I think it just shows Seb Kuss is is the best mountain domestique post COVID. No discussion, no debate. He's going to go to the Tour de France. And what's he going to do for Jonas? I don't know. I feel like he vibes with Primoz more than he vibes with Jonas. We'll see. But yeah, that's basically it for this. Uh, the Echelon Cycling Podcast episode 18, our special Giro d'Italia one. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. Try and help us get to 1,000 subscribers. Check out us on all the various different platforms, Amazon, Spotify, etc., iTunes, that's where most of my friends listen to us. But uh, yeah, with that, thank you very much for watching. And of course, as always, we will see you around.